Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to my second podcast. It's a bank holiday weekend, so I thought I would give you a little excerpt from one of my books. Uh, today it's from my first book called The Long Haul, and this begins as George and I are about to begin our four-month journey across the Greenland ice sheet. Tasilak disappeared into the distance as our pilot took us west along the coast and briefly out to sea before heading towards the profusion of tongue-like glaciers flowing into the sea. We flew low and fast, often below the level of prominent mountains in Nunataks. We had been flying for around 20 minutes and so, being close to our Nagtavik Glacier insertion point, I scanned the coast for landmarks. The co-pilot passed me back a headset with microphone and the pilot asked me to point out where we would like to land. In his characteristically laid-back way, the only previous discussion we had prior to the flight was for me to point roughly to the glacier on a chart. I described the area where I wanted to be set down at the base of the glacier and as close to sea level as was safe. Despite the evidently very heavy snow layer on the coast that year, there were still enormous open wide crevasse fields scarring the Nagtavit and the ice to its east and the west. I could now see the problem troubling Georg over the previous three days as the sea ice was heavily fractured and resembled an endless white jigsaw puzzle. The pilot quickly brought the Huey to a couple of hundred feet over the ice and glanced outside the cockpit for a relatively solid area on which to land. As we made contact with the ice in an extremely smooth touchdown, snow and ice was being picked up by the downdraft and being churned around outside the helicopter. Once the pilot had switched the engine off and released the side door hatch, George and I stepped onto the white surface that would become our home for four long months. We had not really spoken to our pilot a great deal, but as we struggled to slide the sledges off the helicopter, he and his co-pilot began to inquire further into our plans. He could not fathom why we would be out on the ice cap for so long. His parting words, along with a warm handshake and a grin, was, most people try and get away from the cold of Greenland. George and I dragged the sledges one by one away from the body of the helicopter and lay down on top of them, anticipating the awesome gusts produced by the helicopter takeoff only feet away. In a final enthusiastic request, George asked the pilot to buzz us at low altitude as they departed. They duly responded, waving at us and flying only 15 feet or so over our heads as they returned to civilization. I will never be able to forget the feeling of loneliness, dread and anticipation as the familiar whoop-whoop-whoop of the Huey's rotors faded into the distance. More than three years of endless toil, disappointment and borderline obsession had resulted in standing on the edge of this unimaginably massive ice cap. The time for talking and persuasion was over and now the hard work began. In that instant, a massive weight dropped from my shoulders and I was able to concentrate on the actual purpose of the expedition. I relished the simplicity of the journey ahead of us. There was no momentous speech made by either party as we stood alone on the ice. We simply got down to work immediately. I was aged only 21 and George was over a year my junior. I still had significant reservations about the initial climb with our monstrous weights and whether it was physically possible. George had very little experience on glaciers and crevasse terrain and so I had agreed to lead all of the sledging sessions until we reached the less chaotic and unstable ice cap itself. We pointed our sledges uphill and fastened our full body harnesses for the first time. After taking a GPS reading and setting our initial direction on my compass, I leant forward on my rope traces which connected me to my sledge. To my total relief, the 195 kilogram sledge creaked slowly into motion. I turned round to check on George who had also got his moving. He had a delighted grin on his face. 
we began to haul up the steep slope which was, as always in March, shrouded by deep snow. Although the dominating crevasse zones were obvious, the glacier would be littered with other hidden cracks. These would vary from a six-inch slot to a chasm able to swallow a car. The difference between a safe crossing of a crevasse and a fatal fall can be a few inches of snow and ice wedged in the opening. Well, we've reached the end of today's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We're still in the early stages of this podcast, so please, please, if you enjoyed it, spread the word via social media or even through old-fashioned word of mouth. Don't forget to subscribe so my next podcast appears automatically for you. Of course, you can follow whatever I'm up to on Twitter, at Alex Hibbert, via my website, which is alexhibbert.com, and finally, my books are available online, in bookstores, or direct from my website. Thanks so much again for climbing aboard in the early stages of my podcast, and I'll have the next one with you as soon as I can.